Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. What's blowing jobs my party? Nice job. Thank you. That was wonderful. Thank you. That was a good wow. lead into part two of our Nerd I've never like, been so mm-hmm. pleased with an intro. I know. I really nailed that, was that one. Beautiful. Thank that was you. That great. I crave on pro. Sophia, did you like thrive it? Thrive on Yeah, praise. I think I like it enough to make him treasurer of the BJP. Oh, that's good. Oh my good. God, you're treasurer of the BJP. Also, our guest is Sophia Alexandra. Hi, everyone. Hello, Hi. Sophia. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back minutes after we finished the first episode. But yeah, I mean, I almost took off. Mm-hmm. This has been a rough one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a lot of dead children. It is, but we don't talk about all of them. Yeah, that's... Yeah, you know we don't what? detail it. That's a silver lining. But not it even is a shit stain, just a, a silver lining. A lot of dead children, but... We don't have to talk about them specifically. We could just say two or three thousand dead and not get more specific Thanks, than that. Thanks, friend. Yeah. Sometimes the truest form of friendship is not going into more detail about horrible ethnic cleansings than you need to. I mean, it's what I put on our t-shirts, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of words. You yeah. Know? It has yeah. to go all the way on the sleeves and the back. But it's a lot. Hop onto Behind the Bastards Tea Public for our new Ethnic cleansing is horrible, but there's only a certain amount of detail that's really necessary to get across the key facts of what's happening without getting into, you know, uh, 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 what's the word when somebody, like, looks at a car crash, that sort of thing. Oh a lot God. of words on those t-shirts. But that shirt also has you saying, uh, five times in a row, like yeah. it's quoted. Yeah, it's not, we should have edited the shirt at some point. No, but, but honestly, we, we were going for realism. We were. Cinema verite. That's mm-hmm. what that means. It's putting ums on a t-shirt. On 420 Day Fiance, Miles and I call that a transparency bonus. Ooh, nice. We're that like, makes you it know sounds what? intentional. Yeah. yeah. In the wake of the Gujarat riots, Narendra Modi was shunned and marginalized in broader Indian society. But within Gujarat itself, his popularity grew. Some of this may have had to do with the fact that the Muslim population of the area had been beaten, murdered, and ghettoed into political irrelevance. But Gujarat sounds tight. <laughs> Where are my Gujarat hats at? Oof. Most of it had to do with the fact that violent bigotry is actually super fun when you're on the side of the majority. See, Modi is a very intelligent man, and he grasped instinctively that the most important lesson that any would-be tyrant can ever learn, which is 
never ever apologize. So instead of that, he followed up this nightmarish bloodletting with a Hindu pride march across the state. Ranks and ranks of uniformed RSS Holy members shit. celebrated their violent oppression of the Muslim minority and were met by cheering crowds. He was careful in his actual language, always delivering the message that without exposing too much of his ass, saying things like, if we raise the self-respect and morale of 50 million Gujaratis, the schemes of Ali's, Mali's, and Jamali's will not be able to do us any harm. Those are all like stereotypical Muslim names in India. Um, so you see what he's saying. I just, he doubled down on the genocide. He sure did. Which is a, a real power move. Yeah. A white power move, you a might call it. A white power move, you might say, yeah. Mm. Aryan power. Let's, let's mm. get a little more specific, yeah. While Narendra solidified his base of power, the rest of the BJP suffered a series of electoral reversals. This also wound up working out for Modi. The more liberal wings of the party crumbled in the wake of these defeats. And while they flailed, M Modi pressed forward in Gujarat and made deals with the biggest businessmen in the region. He made life easy for them, and they pumped more money into Gujarat's economy, allowing him to brag that he developed Gujarat into a financial powerhouse during his time in office. That's a real Trump... Yep. Boast. <laughs> mm -hmm. Kind of sounds like they're all working from the same playbook. Over time, Modi seized control of the BJP and married its hardline racist fascist DNA with the financial interests of the business class. I'm going to quote now from an article in the New Statesman. The turning point came in October 2008, when Tata Motors moved its car plant for its much-publicized new budget hatchback, the Nano, from the leftist-dominated West Bengal to the pro-business Gujarat. In 2011, Ford invested $1 billion in setting up another car plant. Before long, Gujarat started to make headlines, not for riots, but for its new image as an economic powerhouse. From 2000 Just like Mein Kampf really wasn't yeah. about... No, it's about business. Killing. It was really just a self-help business kind of guide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. From 2003, Modi began holding an annual summit, Vibrant Gujarat, which cumulatively generated investment pledges of 920 billion. All the prominent in yeah, all the pro most prominent Indian captains of industry, from Ratan Tata to the Ambanis and the Mittals, rallied behind Modi and declared him India's most business-friendly chief minister. Gujarat now enjoys double-digit growth, and there's no question that Modi has run an economically successful administration. However, his claims to have made the state's economy an ideal for the rest of India is disputed by economists who point out that the Gujarat model has done little to alleviate poverty or improve indexes of education, malnutrition, or healthcare, because the money does all, not all go people. down because trickle-down theory is not a real thing. But if you can make the numbers look good on paper, you can get people to vote for you because they think they'll get some of that money, and then genocide gets to happen. It's cool. It's cool that that always works. When the wealthiest men in Gujarat saw how good Modi could be for business, they put their money into making sure the few thousand people he'd gotten murdered were forgotten. There was an investigation, of course, but the Indian Supreme Court decided there wasn't enough evidence to charge Modi himself of anything. That's so crazy. It's like we tried, but like there's nothing to tie you to the genocide. Mm -hmm. So it's like so weird. There's no evidence, but you're basically free. That's so crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Some officials within the government did try to take action against Modi. Harin Pandya, a cabinet minister, gave sworn testimony about the riots, claiming that on the night it all began, he had attended a meeting at Modi's home and heard the chief minister tell police officials to allow people to vent their frustration and not come in the way of the Hindu backlash. Yeah, it's a good switchblade moment. Sanjeev Bhatt, a police administrator, also testified to hearing Modi express similar sentiments, discussing his hope that the Muslims be taught a lesson to ensure that such incidents do not recur. The evidence was there, but most of Modi's political rivals were too frightened of the consequences of pursuing him to the fullest extent of the law. They decided to take their chances with the electoral system in the hope that Oh, you surely, never take chances with no, the electoral you system. Sure don't. You really never should. You never decide not to fully pursue criminal charges against a fascist because you're worried about the backlash socially and oh, decide boy. to just trust in voters. Turns out that doesn't ever work. No. Yeah. Gotta be on the right side of history. Gotta throw him in, in a the fucking beginning. cell. You yeah. can't wait until someone else is like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, meanwhile, Modi and his followers set to work eliminating the men who testified against them. Bot was quickly charged with the death of a suspect in police custody and sentenced to life in prison. Hiran Pandya was found dead in his car in 2003. His wife insists to this day that his death was a political murder. So that's cool. There's a lot to be a lot more of those. Modi angrily ignored questions about the riots for years. One of the most direct responses he actually did make came in 2013, when a reporter asked him if he felt sorry for all the Muslims who'd been murdered by those mobs he enabled. Uh-oh. Modi responded, 
If someone is driving a car and we're sitting behind, even then, if a puppy comes under the wheel, will it be painful? Of course it is. <laughs> what? What? If, if you're sitting behind not... someone in a car and they hit a puppy, does it hurt you to see? Yes. But that's the same as him enabling this mob that killed 3,000 That's not people. even an analogy. <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. That's like sentences that don't form... A whole story. I mean, there's definitely like some translation. That makes no sense. And stuff here, like that he originally said it. I'm guessing in like Gujarati or whatever. So it's like you know, there's probably maybe it uh, it, it made more sense in the original language. But like, mm, did the, it though? Because it doesn't yes. seem to address the fact. It was always a bullshit response. I just think the phrasing's a little weird. No, I just mean there's no part yeah. of it where he's like. <laughs> What what he's saying is that like his role in letting the letting and enabling these mobs. Why to kill are the people, Muslims though yeah. the puppy when he's like still a human in the analogy? Why well, are the Muslims an <laughs> that's animal? That's a good point. This is just confusing. He's like, I am a man, but in this story, <laughs> the Muslims are a puppy. And sometimes puppies get hit by cars, and you don't like to see it. And but also, also he's you don't not care. Driving the car, which no, he's he behind is. it. Yeah, he was Which totally makes driving no that sense. Car. I'm like, no, you're the driver, and they're not a puppy. They're a man, mm-hmm. and you just ran over the man. So I don't really understand why I get why he was trying to make it different because yeah. he doesn't think of Muslims as people. But It's like that Simpsons bit where Lionel Hutz is like, yeah, this judge doesn't like me because I hit his dog with my car. Only replace the word dog with the word son. Yes. <laughs> and, and replace the word hit with repeatedly. <laughs> That's a good bit. Oh, boy. Modi's popularity was further augmented in 2005 when Gujarat police announced that they had shot dead a terrorist they believed had been planning to assassinate Narendra. Sorabuddin Sheikh, uh, the dead man, was said to have been a member of an Islamic terrorist cell collaborating with the ISI, Pakistani intelligence. Gujarati police claimed Sorabuddin had opened fire on them when they'd caught him and they'd been forced to fire back and kill him. None of this was true, and it soon became clear that the whole affair had been blatantly orchestrated by the authorities. And I'm going to quote now uh, from scroll.i an Indian news website. Those were the years when Gujarat was scarred by several such encounters. The police killed more than 20 people claiming they were trying to murder the chief minister or commit other acts of terrorism. In few of these cases was the police's version effectively challenged. Sheikh's killing would have become just another statistic in forgotten police records, except for two interventions. First, Rubabuddin Sheikh wrote to India's chief justice that he did not believe the police's version of his brother's killing and that he was worried for the safety of Kauser B, Sorabuddin Sheikh's wife who disappeared since her husband's killing. In response, the Supreme Court told the Gujarat police to find out how Sheikh had been killed and what had happened to his wife. Second, Prashant Dayal, a journalist for the Divya Bashkar paper, newspaper, published a sensational report claiming senior Gujarat police officials had deliberately killed Sheikh and then rape and burned alive his wife. Holy shit. Oh yeah. God. It's fucked. So a thorough investigation would eventually secure the admission of the Gujarat government's legal counsel that the whole shooting had been a fake encounter. The motorcycle that police claimed Sheikh had been riding at the time of the shootout turned out to be owned by a relative of one of the cops who killed him. As the crime was dug into... (laughs) That's not even a good cover-up. No, it was not a good cover-up. Like, get someone who's not directly involved with... (laughs) This is one of the frustrating things about (laughs) fascism is how lazy they're allowed to be and can still get away with it. Ah. Yeah, it's very frustrating. So as the crime was dug into, ultimate blame for planning all this eventually settled on the shoulders of Amit Shah, a government minister and Narendra Modi's right-hand man. The state investigation eventually revealed that Shah had been running a massive extortion racket for the Gujarati police. Sheikh had been a part of this racket, and for one reason or another, Shah had decided that killing him would be good for business. And since he was going to commit murder, he figured he might as well make the murdered man's death work for his political patron. So he was like, oh, we'll just say this guy was planning to kill Modi. It'll buffer Modi's popularity, and we'll get rid of this guy. All of this took years to properly dig up, though, and the slow drip of unimpeachable evidence of Modi and Shah's shameless, violent corruption had no impact on their political futures. Instead, Modi grew more popular year after year. He was re-elected as chief minister of Gujarat in 2007. During his campaign, he deliberately mocked his political opponents for trying to prosecute him for murder, saying at one rally... Congress people say that Modi is indulging in encounters, saying that Modi killed Sorabuddin. You tell me, what should I do with Sorabuddin? He asked. Kill him, the crowd roared. Killed him. So, kill him, they said. Yeah, that's cool. By 2012, this Narin- really is like Trump rallies. It's very much it's the same so thing. So insanely eerie. All of them are the same person, just in different bodies. Yeah. By 2012. I hope this guy had a nicer body than Trump. 
it's not a high bar. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I was like, uh. Because that body is failing on every level. It's not doing great. It's like a diaper, but a person. Good times. By 2012, Narendra Modi stood at the very top of the BJP, and the BJP (laughs) was one of the most powerful parties in the country with tens of millions of members. Yeah, it is. Modi announced his campaign for prime minister near the end of 2013. And I'm going to quote again from The New Yorker here. He sold himself not as a crusading nationalist, but as a master manager, the visionary who had presided over an economic boom in Gujarat. His campaign slogan was, the good days are coming. A close look at the data showed that Gujarat's economy had grown no faster under his administration the than under previous ones. The original slogan was, the dog days are over. Yeah. And he's saying it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A close look at the data showed that Gujarat's economy had grown no faster under his administration than under previous ones. The accelerated growth was a fantastically crafted fiction. Even so, many of India's largest businesses flooded his campaign with contributions. Modi was helped by an overwhelming public perception that the Congress Party, which had been in power for most of the past half century, had grown arrogant and corrupt. Its complacency was personified by the Gandhi family, whose members dominated the party but appeared diffident and out of touch. Rahul Gandhi, the head of the party and Nehru's great-grandson, was dubbed the reluctant prince by the Indian media. By contrast, Modi and his team were disciplined, focused, and responsive. The Gandhis would keep chief ministers who had traveled across the country to see them waiting for days. They didn't care, an Indian political commentator who has met with the Gandhis as well as Modi told me. With Modi's people, you got right in. So like, Modi, number one. So access and availability trumps. Yep. Yep. Trumps. being an out-of-touch political elite who just tells, trust me, I know what I'm doing. We've been at this for a while. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out that works. And also, you know, when you're trying to get elected for the first time as a fascist, you you button down a little bit on the racism and focused on, I'm a good manager. I'm going to be good for the economy. I'm a good businessman. Yeah. A huge amount of the BJP's success had to do with the casual corruption and elitism many Indians perceived from the Congress Party. Most of their highest officials came from families who had dominated Indian politics since the nation got its independence. They acted as if power was theirs by right of birth. The men of the BJP, however, portrayed themselves less as aristocrats and more as humble warrior monks. They wore cheap, simple clothing and avoided displays of wealth. Narendra Modi talked regularly about the hours of yoga he did every day and repeatedly emphasized his simple life and noble refusal to fuck anybody. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, This may seem odd, but Modi's refusal to have a family meant that he had no distractions from work. And that's the image, the hardworking, religiously dedicated aesthetic that played for Indian voters. It's anyone's guess as to whether or not Modi really is the man he portrays himself to be. But it's possible that he actually is. One political commentator told The New Yorker, when you have that kind of power, that kind of adoration, you don't need romance. I mean, I just feel like the members of the... BJP should really have exploded on the scene more. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They should have come into power. I, uh, yeah. You're better at this than me. <laughs> Why, yes, she is. They should have ejaculated on nope. Parliament? No, that didn't work. <laughs> they should have um, really focused on uh, stimulating the head of their party. Mm-hmm. Stimulating the head and sort of making a cream pie of the different <laughs> branches. <laughs> Oh, so many people have have died. We do, we do, we do, we do. Where the hell was I here? The BJP won the popular vote, and Modi, its leader, became prime minister. He immediately set to work dealing with problems the prior government had ignored. Chief among them was public defecation. This is like... (laughs) Like, this is, but like India is like fucking huge. It's like the biggest. It's one of the biggest countries on the planet. And like this is not just like a um, sort of because of the lack of a lot of like good plumbing and stuff. It's often a lot of people consider it cleaner to go out in public. But like then you wind up like this stuff spreads disease. Like it was a big problem. And I was it, mostly just laughing because I thought that it would be amazing if that problem only circulated around the BJP headquarters because <laughs> people were like fuck you and just people coming just over to shit just around it no. they're like we have this really weird public defecation problem and like the rest of the city is totally clean they're like <laughs> yeah but it's just like shit's running in the streets people are like no no, no, un- it's, no it's not unfortunately just you not yeah, it, it right. was a problem and they decided to deal with it um and 
again, in, in the traditional way that you see with this, they like launched a thing that looked really good, but was less effective than it actually wound up being, but allowed them to like publicly claim that they were making great strides. So in one of his first speeches in Delhi, Narendra Modi promised to launch a nationwide campaign to build public toilets in every school. In 60 months, 110 million toilets were constructed, serving more than 60 million Indians. It was probably the largest, fastest toilet building program in world but history. But also the largest fascist building. It also <laughs> is that too, yeah. Building. <laughs> And it's hard to fault Modi on at least the idea of adding more public toilets to India, but its execution and its efficacy were distinctly mixed. And I'm going to quote now from a Voice of American news write-up. Quote, Critics, however, charged that overzealous government workers may have inflated the number since a deadline had been set for declaring India open defecation-free by October 2nd, the 150th birthday of Mahatma Gandhi, the leader of India's independence struggle. The entire movement happened in a mission mode. There were targets to achieve, according to Nazar Khalid, a New Delhi research fellow at the Research Institute for Compassionate Economics, a nonprofit that works on child and sanitation issues in India. He charges that in some places people were coerced into building toilets by local authorities who wanted to demonstrate progress. A study conducted last year by the group and four of India's biggest states found that access to household toilets increased from 37% in 2014 to 71% last year. However, roughly one quarter of people who owned a toilet continued to defecate in the open. They considered it wholesome and healthy and an opportunity to get some fresh air or see their fields. So... I thought that was going to be and see their friends. I was like, <laughs> damn. Just pooping and talking. That's pretty awesome. The old P&T. <laughs> a little bit of P&T for the BJP. That's a chir- That's a merch shirt. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. We're, you notice how, how good I sliced this? Look at this. You did. You sliced it great. We're playing with knives when we talk about fascism. And I really did a great job with mine. I'm very proud of you. And you know what else I'm proud of? These goods and services? Ab- absolutely. I am so proud of these goods and services. I have no children, but in a way, all of the products and services that we advertise are my children. And by in a way, I mean in a literal way, in that I I have fucked the parent companies in order to produce the products that you can now buy. So you are purchasing uh... the spawn of my loins when you buy it. What? Sophie? This is how you sell Jizz products. Jizz sells, Sophie. Ac- absolutely. Jizz sells. Of my loins is mm-hmm. a line I never needed to hear from this, you. This, this podcast is, is built on uh, the fruit of my loins. It's time for ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com behind. That's mintmobile.com behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. We're back. We're back after that flawless ad break. And Sophia is now holding two knives. I've never been happier. (laughs) Very ready to continue here. (laughs) So, uh, the toilet building project had a debatable impact, uh, but it achieved its real purpose, which was to give Modi a strong out-of-the-gate win that made him look like a decisive and powerful leader. And since it was impossible to make more toilets into a partisan issue, there was nothing his opponents could do but kind of hand him that win. Uh, And Modi scored another early victory when he attacked India's massive problem with gang rape. In 2012, a 23-year-old woman had been raped and tortured by six men on a public bus. She died of her what? injury. What? On a bus? Oh, yeah. It was, on a, it, was this, it was a huge story internationally. It happened, like, right before I went there. Um, and it was still, like, the big topic of discussion in Delhi at the time. And it was this kind of, like, horrible, horrible crime that catalyzed the fact that, like, India had a major problem with gang rape. Um, and so this is like, this makes the international news. India gets like criticized for it worldwide. And like, it is something that has to be addressed. Um, and I hate to give Modi credit for anything, but his first public speech on the issue, he actually gave a really good statement. He told a crowd, parents ask their daughters hundreds of questions, but have any dared to ask their sons where they are going? Which is like kind of the right way to lean into Mic that. drop for that fascist. Yeah. The, one good thing. Yeah. He handles this. That it, he handles talking about that well. I mean, Hitler was a vegetarian. We got to give him this yeah, one. He was right? pretty good. He was anti-animal uh, testing too. Yep. So, with stories like that coming out of the early days of Modi's reign, it was hard for the world to stay mad at him for the minor issue of helping to orchestrate and incite three months of bloody riots that killed thousands of people and ethnically cleansed large chunks of a major state. He said the woke thing, so we're good. <laughs> this is the day Modi became prime minister. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. According to the New Yorker, quote. Modi's effort to transform his image succeeded in the West as well. In the United States, newspaper columnists welcome his emphasis on markets and efficiency. In addition, Modi called on a vast network of Indian Americans who cheered his success at putting India on the world stage. The Obama administration quietly dropped the visa ban. When Modi met Obama, not long after taking office, the two visited the memorial to Martin Luther King Jr., a man Modi claimed to admire. During his stay, Modi had a dinner meeting with Obama, but he presented White House chefs with a dilemma. He was fasting for Navaratri, a Hindu festival. At the meeting, he consumed only water, which obviously like makes him look really good. His very religious base is like, he's not even going to eat at this, this white house feast and stuff. But so pretty awkward to have a full dinner yeah. in front of a man that's yep. just like, no, I'll have water. Thanks. You, you knew when this meeting was happening, we could have like picked a different Rescheduled day or something. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we not done dinner. It's like, we don't admit, invite a lot of like the leaders of Muslim countries over during Ramadan. Or if we do, we do like the night thing that you're supposed to do. Like we could have worked this out, but could have just done like, a tea meeting a in tea the Rose meeting. Garden, you know? He, he might not be allowed to consume tea during it. It kind of depends, like, there's oh. different levels of fast. Well, never mind. Should have just yeah. rescheduled. Yeah. While Modi's early days were relatively unproblematic on the outside, there were numerous clear signs that he was still exactly as much of a fascist as he's always been. Uh, the trial of his old buddy Amit Shah over the murder of Sorabuddin Sheikh was still going on at this point. But in 2014, Modi's first full year in power, Shah just stopped showing up to court. The judge ordered him to appear, and in response, the government removed the judge from the case. So Shah got a new judge named Brijgopal Loya, and this judge also complained about Shah's refusal to come to court. He confessed to his friends and family that he'd been offered $16 million from the chief justice of the Bombay High Court to drop the case. Damn, that's a lot. That is a lot of money. Loya refused because he was a good judge, and then he died conveniently of a heart attack. 
The Caravan, an Indian news magazine, reported on some peculiarities about how the judge's body was returned to his family. Rather than the arrangements being made by government officials, like you'd expect for a government employee, they were handled by the RSS, and his corpse arrived back at home covered in blood. A lot of people suspect maybe it wasn't a heart attack. They didn't even bother to wipe the blood off. No, they were sending a message. We keep just saying how they were like, Yeah. We don't give a fuck. It's frustrating because, like, I've gone to a lot of protests where, like, thousands of activists organized for weeks and held, like, a mostly peaceful event. But, like, one kid tosses a rock and that's, like, the whole story. Whereas, like, fascists get to, like, murder people and Mm -hmm. send their bloody corpses back to their family. And everyone's like, yeah, but the economy. Mm -hmm. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. Cool and good is what I meant to say. Shah's case was given to a third judge uh, named Gosavi, who dismissed all the charges after about a month. Um, oh, that's so weird. That's so did, weird. Did the, his predecessor's bloody corpse have anything to do with his decision? <laughs> Might have been. Might have been. And while all this was going on, Narendra Modi went ahead and made Amit Shah the president of the BJP, making him the second most powerful man in the country. Mm. Over the next few years, Modi and his followers consolidated power, killing or sidelining judges who worked against them and orchestrating a vast campaign of suppression against the press. Good journalists had been the chief enemy of Narendra Modi from day one, and the BJP set up a sophisticated cyber harassment campaign to shut down or scare off anyone who might speak out against them. Neha Dixit, a reporter, told The New Yorker, Every day I get 300 notifications with dick pics and with conversations about how they should rape me with a steel rod or a rose thorn bush or something like that. And obviously the worst of the abuses, save for female journalists who have been kind of at the forefront of attacking Modi's regime. Of course. A lot of very brave women reporters in India. Dixit's abuse uh, does not just come from random Modi bros online. Official representatives of the BJP regularly tweet abuse to her, suggesting that this behavior is officially condoned by the party. The New Yorker continues, Pratik Sinha, a former software engineer and the founder of Alt News, which tracks online disinformation, described a nimble social media operation that works on behalf of the BJP. In 2017, his group made a typical discovery when a pro-BJP website called Hindutva.info released a video of a gruesome stabbing, which was passed around on social media as evidence that Muslims were killing Hindus in Kerala. Puneet Sharma, an RSS apparatchnik whom Modi follows on Twitter, promoted the video, saying that it should make Hindus blood boil. But when Alt News tracked the video to its source, it turned out to depict a gang killing in Mexico, which you might recognize does not have a high Hindu population or Muslim population. It was probably unrelated to any conflicts there. Yeah, it also seems, again, pretty lazy. They get to be lazy. It's fine. Sinha told me he believes that some of the most aggressive social media posts are instigated by an official IT cell staffed and funded by BJP loyalists. He said that people affiliated with the BJP maintain websites that push pro-Modi propaganda and attack his enemies. They were organized and quick, he said. They got their act down a long time ago in Gujarat. Pretty cool. That's so fucked up and again, so similar to what we have going on. I was going to say completely different from anything that's ever happened anywhere, but I guess (laughs) what you say works too. (laughs) 2016, the Modi administration went after NDTV, one of the most prominent and influential critics of their regime. All government advertising was pulled from the network, and members of the Modi cabinet pressured business owners and private corporations to stop buying ads on NDTV as well. The station was forced to lay off a quarter of its staff. While good journalists lost their jobs, and in some cases their lives, Narendra Modi continued to pump money into his social media operations. In 2019, Modi faced... Gotta stay up on your socials. Gotta stay up on the socials. 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 In 2019, Modi faced re-election. He spent as much as $5 billion on his campaign. A regular fucking Bloomberg over here. Yeah. I mean, it's a big country, so you do have to, like, spread it out more. Uh, yeah, pouring money into his propaganda efforts to mitigate the fact that India's economy actually took a bit of a dive under his leadership. It's like fascists aren't actually good at the one thing fascists are so good at. Wild. He was helped along in this by an attack by a suicide bomber on Kashmir on February 14th, 2019, which killed 40 Indian soldiers. Modi's online propaganda machine swung into action. Video went viral of Modi consoling the widow of a soldier. That recording was actually from 2013, but the truth never gets in the way of spreading a good meme. They're like, uh, she's a widow. You know, widow's a, one widow's as good as another. Am exactly. I right? Let's They're just all tweet the same. Thing. Throw it out there. 
Uh, Modi used anger over the attack as an excuse to ratchet up his anti-Muslim rhetoric. He gave speeches claiming that the blood of the people is boiling and sent thousands of troops into Kashmir on the pretext that India's only semi-autonomous Muslim-majority state had to be cracked down on for the safety of the people. Twelve days after the attack, the prime minister ordered a series of airstrikes on what he claimed was a terrorist training camp in a town called Balakot. Predictably, online Modi supporters hailed this as a massive success in the battle against terrorism, claiming that more than 300 Islamic extremists had been killed. Viral pictures of smoking corpses spread throughout social media. But journalists who investigated found only a few holes in the ground and no evidence that anyone at all had died. The viral photos were actually just pictures from the aftermath of a deadly heat wave. Purported video of the airstrikes was actually footage from a video game called Arma 2. Oh which my god. I believe the Russian government has also used to like fake videos of airstrikes. It's very funny and good and cool. None of this mattered. The lies sold. Amit Shah bragged to a group of election workers that the BJP's social media operations had created an impenetrable wall of bullshit. Quote, Do you understand what I'm saying? We are capable of delivering any message we want to the public, whether sweet or sour, true or fake. Cool what about a sweet and sour? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Just balance it out? Like that good chicken, yeah. Narendra Modi was re-elected, and while his first term started with a series of feel-good measures almost everyone could support, there was no pretense at all the second time around. And I'm going to quote from The New Yorker again. Modi's government introduced a series of extraordinary initiatives meant to solidify Hindu dominance. The most notable of them, along with revoking the special status of Kashmir, was a measure designed to strip citizenship from as many as two million residents of the state of Assam, many of whom had crossed the border from the Muslim nation of Bangladesh decades before. In September, the government began constructing detention centers for residents who had become illegal overnight. Fuck. Cool and good. I mean, Again, terrible. doesn't remind me of anything happening no, anywhere. No, not unlike anything in history or now elsewhere on the planet. As is always the case in situations like this, the government's open embrace of bigotry acted as a blank check for bigots among the population. Hindu nationalists... That's so crazy how there's a connection between that. Really? Yeah, it's really weird, right? Yeah, I mean, this is the only time that's happened, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of only time Mm -hmm. happenings here. Lots of firsts and onlys. Mm -hmm. Lots of those. So, uh, Hindu nationalists in northern India, for example, started to spread rumors that Muslim men had launched a hidden operation to trick Hindu women into marriage and then force said women into prostitution. These bogus rumors spread like wildfire on social media and WhatsApp and quickly acquired the name Love Jihad. Interfaith couples have been increasingly insulted, uh, assaulted as a Love result. Jihad is actually the next show from the Love is Blind people on Netflix. Seriously? Uh, no. Because oh, it is a good title. Uh, I, you, you, you know... The only thing I watch on Netflix is, well, no, they don't have it on Netflix, so I had to torrent it. Um, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just know it's not for you. That's good. The only thing that's for me is re-watching old episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and Community, so that's that's basically it for me. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old man, and I hate new things. You're wearing an adorable cardigan. Thank you. That proves. Thank you. Yes, Thank you are. Thank you. A tiny little cute old man. Mm-hmm. Working on it. You know what else I'm working on? These goods and services? I'm working on getting together, making a little love connection with another corporation or two, just kind of pumping a couple of products out, getting them to push out a service or two, and then you can buy them wet and fresh from the womb. Or dry because it's less gross. No, no. No, no. You can't trust that it's fresh. All the products are wet. <laughs> yes. Every product that we <laughs> sell is damp as hell. That is our guarantee. Moist. Ew. Bye. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. 
The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. We were just talking about how good we are at advertising products and services. I'm I'm proud of us. I'm I'm. We were doing a lot of handshaking and mm-hmm. popping mm-hmm. champagne bottles. I love that this industry works the way it does. It's great and good and cool. <laughs> The years in power do not seem to have changed Modi. A journalist with the New Statesman interviewed a number of people who worked closely with the Prime Minister, and they all reported more or less the same thing. Quote, He is teetotal and a vegetarian and lives an almost monastic lifestyle, one told me. He is extremely focused. When he talks to you, he really listens. He can focus like few people I know. He calls it a day by 11 and gets up at 4 in the morning, another aide told me. He spends the first 90 minutes of the day happily surfing the internet for articles about himself. His staff starts getting calls by 5.30, latest. He is obsessed with personal hygiene, said a third. He changes his clothes at least four or five times a day, and he always eats alone. Always. Which is weird in India, like eating together big groups of people is like a really important thing. That's a very strange fact. Um, But also, if you look at all the pictures of like even the Democratic candidates eating, they all look like none of them know how to eat food like a normal human being. It's bizarre. Like, why can't you? Maybe it's just like being photographed makes you look weird eating. Like you just like get self-conscious. I don't know. I've never had to eat on camera. I was going to say happily surfing the internet for articles about himself. First of all, obviously that is what Trump does. But happily is a hilarious thing to insert in there. I mean, I just picture him like going like dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 Just like singing to himself. Listening to Mr. Blue Sky. Clicking around. Yeah. Good times. It is, of course, impossible to say whether or not all this is true, but it plays well with Indian voters, particularly young voters, who support Narendra Modi at unprecedented levels. And Modi is already hard at work earning the next generation of young votes. He's written a number of books that could best be described as dictatorial pop philosophy, and had even more written about him that sell him as a management guru, essentially a cross between Tim Ferriss and Adolf Hitler, who's also a management guru. I was going to say, yeah, I was like, he's like Hitler 2.0. They're so psyched about it. Modi even wrote a book specifically aimed at school-aged children called Exam Warriors. This book is innocuous enough on the surface and mostly focuses on urging children to study hard, look forward to exams as a way to prove and improve themselves, and do lots of yoga. Um, It includes an odd amount of militant wordplay, though, not just in the title, Exam Warriors, but in chapters with headers like, Be a Warrior, Not a Warrior, and Sleep is a Great Weapon. Sharpen it. Wow. (laughs) Gotta sharpen your sleep. That's can't can't hilarious. get to bed without a nice sharp. I mean, I never sleep without a machete. Yeah, but, I'm holding a knife, so I'm like, mm-hmm. I get sharp sleep. Yeah, I get sharp sleep. I got a machete bayonet for one of my rifles I've been recently, sharp and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we should get you a machete, please. Let's get a lot of machetes, a lot more machetes. 
Like all great dangerous narcissists, Modi saw in radio and podcasts the ultimate opportunity to brainwash the masses. His monthly show, Man Kibat, is hugely popular, and he recently launched the Narendra Modi mobile app to further connect See, his man, followers to himself. See, man, he has time to run a monthly show. I know. I'm trying to run a monthly show as a stand-up, and it's like, it's we're exhausting. hard to find at the time. I mean, I think it might be easier to be dictator of India than a stand-up. I think so. But yeah. Dictator is actually the wrong word. We'll get to that in a little bit. While Modi's role in the Gujarat riots saw him condemned by the international community, it seems as if nothing he does now will be met by any real condemnation around the world. On February 25th, 2020, while President Donald Trump visited New Delhi, the city was convulsed by a wave of mass violence that is probably best described as an anti-Muslim pogrom. It started with protests against the expansion of the Citizenship Amendment Act, the law Modi used to remove the citizenship of some two million Muslim citizens. And I'm going to quote now from coverage by The Print, an English-language Indian news site. This is about how the riot started off. Quote, The women sitting in Silampur, a Muslim-dominated slum area, rightly felt it was no use just sitting there. The women decided to move their protest to a road underneath the Jafrabad metro station Saturday night. This blocked a road. Unless you block a main road, how do you get the attention of the mainstream? This is not the first time a road has been blocked by a group of protesting people. But BJP's Kapil Mishra said that the blocking of a road was somehow a matter serious enough for the people to take law into their own hands. He demanded that the road be cleared in both Jafrabad and the nearby Chandbag. What unfolded then was a clear diabolical plan, make it look like a clash between pro and anti-CAA supporters. The clash goes violent. Muslims provoked and forced to respond in self-defense. It looks like a riot. Use the violence as an excuse to clear the protests, the peaceful and democratic protests. When the Jafrabad protest site was cleared, a chop BJP RSS leader declared victory. BL Santosh is the BJP's general secretary, a post reserved for the RSS representative. Here was his tweet just as news came in of the Jafrabad site being cleared. Jafferabad metro protest area totally cleared. The game starts now. Rioters need to be taught a lesson or two of Indian laws. Pretty cool that it's a game. Yeah. And Santhosh deleted the tweet later and to remove game starts now and replace it with time to enforce the law in its entire spirit in a new tweet. The mask was a little bit too off for him. At least 42 people were killed during this game, and probably a lot more, but we don't know yet. The vast Sounds majority... Like a fun game. Fun game. I do play a lot of games that kill 42 people, but everyone, everyone knows when we play knife tennis. You know, there's a risk. Sometimes you <laughs> get shot. That's why you have people sign the waivers. Mm -hmm. Sign the waivers with a knife. It's the only way. Yeah, uh, 42 people were killed, the vast majority of them Muslims, and once again the police stood by or actively aided the mobs. It is not a coincidence the Delhi police report uh, directly to the Home Minister of India, one Amit Shah. Oh, no. Cool. As I write this, the fallout from this pogrom has not fully fallen out. It took three days for Modi to even make a statement on the matter. The Delhi police have made a lot of noise about holding reconciliation meetings to try and de-radicalize people, and it is worth noting that Modi's muted response, a tweet that said, we cannot allow vested interest groups to divide us and create disturbance, smacked more than a little bit of fear and uncertainty in a mass expulsion of public rage that he and his party inspired, but cannot fully control. Because the frightening reality of the situation in India today is that while Narendra Modi enjoys almost unchecked power, he's not really a dictator. It seems more accurate to say that he and his propaganda have inflamed a huge chunk of the electorate enough that they have vested him with unprecedented power so long as he uses it to hurt the people he has worked to convince them they hate. One of the journalists the New Yorker talked to, a guy named Prasad, the editor of an Indian magazine called Outlook, said this of his country. It's very different now. The institutions have crumbled. Universities, investigative agencies, the courts, the media, the administrative agencies, public services. And I think there is no rational answer for what has happened, except that we pretended not to be what we were for 50, 60 years. But we are now reverting to what we always wanted to be, which is to pummel minorities, to push them into a corner, to show them their places, to conquer Kashmir, to ruin the media, and to make corporations servants of the state. And all of this under a heavy resurgence of Hinduism. India is becoming the country it has always wanted to be. That's eerie and sad. Yeah. And hopefully not true. Hopefully not true, but I do find a lot I identify with in this fear of like, yeah. we're not reverting here in the US, you know, to the way we were before the civil rights movement, before the, the LGBT rights movement, before all these gains were made, we're becoming the country a lot of us always wanted us to be. Like, that's a terrifying thought. It is. Cool and good. Sophia, how you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling good as hell? Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna stab myself with this knife. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you know what? Keep it ready for a Nazi. It's true.
if I go, mm-hmm. I'm taking at least one Nazi with me. That is what George Orwell. It, there, there's a fun quote from George. Did you like that? I said, "If I go, if I go." It's because I believe believe in the singularity, and I'm like, well, if we don't all die, I'll be. We got to get rid of the I'll fascists be before the singularity. Otherwise, we get fascist robots. Truth. Yeah, and I don't want that. No, that doesn't sound That's terrifying. Good. Yeah. I mean, fascists are also really inefficient. So maybe like a machine would be fundamentally anti-fascist because it's just frustrated by the the inefficiencies that they generate in any system they control. Or if the machines did arise against us and they were fascists, that because they're so poorly made, there would be like one flaw that would be very easy to hack and they would just all die at the same time. Either that or we'd wind up in like an I have no mouth, but I must scream sort of situation. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, this is like a shit streak. Yeah, it's rough. Let me have a silver lining, dude. Don't, well, don't turn it into a shit streak right away. Yeah. I guess the silver lining is... You got any pluggables to plug? Yeah! <laughs> God. Really lo- love the lead-in from sh- shit streak. Yeah. Uh, guys, if you want to keep the shit streak going, mm-hmm. you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Sophia S-O-F-I-Y-A. And uh, you can listen to me on my two podcasts, one with Miles Gray of the Daily Zeitgeist called 420 Day Fiance. And the other one with Courtney Kosak called Private Parts Unknown about love and sex around the world. So, yeah, follow me. Follow. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a dog-related problem. Yeah, what the fuck? There's some dogs barking outside the studio. That sounds very intense. I hope Andy's not involved. We have to go deal with a dog-related situation, but you all deal with this fascism-related situation, perhaps by stockpiling arms, perhaps by just watch, listening to Behind the Bastards, visiting our website, behindthebastards.com, buying a t-shirt at T-Public, or listening to our political podcast, The Worst Year Ever. See, Sophie, I still do it sometimes. You did great. No, all right. you don't. I know. Let's go see if the dogs are okay. Yay. Bye. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.